0: Welcome to The Tech Entrepreneur, a podcast for business entrepreneurs, business leaders and investors who want to do more with technology, accelerate their business and avoid the pitfalls of software development. Welcome to The Tech Entrepreneur. In this episode, it's a bit of a special one. We're going to be looking at the future of the UK energy industry, from how energy is supplied to how it's managed to how you pay for your energy why us? Well, we've got both myself and Phil Telfer on the episode this week, and we've got years of experience in building software for the energy utility sector, from complex energy billing systems, smart meter integration, through to digital products like customer self-serves and mobile apps. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. So first up, Phil, what do you think of the current state, or at least the the near past state of the of the uk energy market i'm thinking what what are the kind of the main obstacles in the way the, the kind of main behavior in the markets what we think of them yeah
1: thanks i think the major problem generic problem across the energy sector and supply business is around data if you think about it if um, a customer goes onto an e-commerce site and buys something from amazon The customer identifies themselves, they they pick a product, they know how much it costs, they look at when it's going to get delivered. So so both sides, if you like, the, the vendor and the purchaser know what's being purchased and what the quantity is. There's not much disagreement about anything, whereas the energy sector is a million miles away from their property. And that person who lives in that property may not actually be known to the supplier of the property. So if someone's supplying electricity and gas, they may not know who actually lives in the property, even though that person is consuming the, the product and that the supplier is paying for that, um, uh, you know, in terms of the wholesale costs. So the, the, there's this huge sort of black hole in terms of what's known and what's going on at that property. The, the, the quantity of the product being consumed, of course, isn't known either. Unless you send someone to go and read a meter, you rely entirely on the person living in the property to send meter readings to give the supplier an idea of how much product is being consumed. And even down to the type of meter that's on the wall, that's not always known either. And that's there are issues and, and data quality problems with that across the industry too. So it may be that there's a meter which records day and night consumption separately, like an uh, economy seven meter. Uh, it may be a prepayment meter where you go and charge it up at the post office, or maybe one that's a sort of fairly standard universal meter, the um, universal credit meter. And so there's a, there's a huge problem with a supplier knowing what's going on at that supply point, and, and that is fundamentally what they're doing. So it's, um that, that's the kind of background to this really. And clearly the creation of smart meters and the rolling out of smart meters across the UK and, and other countries is designed to solve some of those problems in certainly in that what type of meter is there and also more importantly what exactly is being consumed and so that obviously leads then to much much clearer billing a much happier customer and much happier supplier
0: yeah it, it sounds great doesn't it do you know that the smart meter rollout in the uk started back in 2011 and that's where it was it first started, and it's you know I don't know about you Phil, but I still don't have a smart meter even even with all the industry experience we've got, I still don't have it. I mean, we certainly we've worked on bringing in smart features to kind of older billing systems that sort of thing, but for me, it, it was to get away from the unknown and into the definite the smart meter rule. and it's it's really kind of struggled, and I guess it struggled for quite a lot of different reasons. I, I think some of them is it's just that aging architecture, aging industry. Um, setup that, that's been in place that, you know, it just wasn't able to handle the kind of big data that's involved in smart. And certainly the the utility, uh, the suppliers themselves didn't have the, the software and the tech in place to be able to do that quickly.
1: Yeah, the smart meter rollout's been, been delayed, you know, publicly. I mean, so many times, I almost, you know, forgotten how many times I've heard about uh, deadlines that have been imposed being, being put back another year, another two years. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got a smart meter either. Um, I I just, I just phone in or or put onto my app or my, my mobile my meter readings as and when because I want to have a you know an accurate bill. But I'm sure well, I know that that's not the case with many many people, and and they just let the bills kind of roll in and uh, they're they're quite disengaged with their supplier.
0: I think that, I think that leads to some of the major problems we've seen in the in the UK energy market recently with in the last few years with so many energy suppliers going out of business. it's that kind of lack of engagement for end users where, you know, if they can't give you their reads manually very easily, then it always involves dialing in a call center or something like that. I think I read somewhere where less than twenty percent of, of customers actually provide reads on a regular basis for non smart meter. It's just crazy because the whole energy supplier business is based on on uh, not only predicting energy prices on the mar- on the wholesale market, buying those in and then selling them for a profit, but also they're obviously working under the the assumption that they'll get paid for the actual energy that is used, which which often is you know it creeps up on them that it starts become a big problem. Yeah, so I, I I guess what else is kind of biting into the the market at the moment um is the tariff caps that came in um I think it was a was it a couple of years ago now. Um and it basically means that energy suppliers can't just charge whatever they like for the energy that, that you consume. Um so obviously that has had a big impact in the industry because you know lots of tariff prices would have to be reduced. And that really kind of starts eating into um the margins that the energy suppliers have, have to have to play with and have to kind of reinvest in their own systems. And people we've really seen that firsthand that so many companies that were relying on the customer service version of an uh, energy supplier were Okay, they get massive customer service. They get lots of calls, high call volume in to sort out issues, to take payments, to get reads. That becomes almost you know unprofitable in the, in the long run, or very difficult to make a profit. If, you know, very inefficient.
1: Yeah, it's all about friction, isn't it? If you think that the best digital companies, there's so little friction in the whole process of transacting business. If you look at how easy it's become to buy something from Amazon. So I'm mentioning Amazon again. It's the reason one of the reasons that they're so successful is because it's so easy to buy something and you know, when you're going to get the product delivered, it's it, you can, you know, all be, you can all be done with a few little clicks on your mobile. And I think that's what people will will naturally want from their, their consumption. If you think, you know, look at smart meters, it's, you know, they're kind of being um, leapfrogged by smart devices. So devices are, are coming out which are you know a lot more smart than a smart meter. And the controllability as well. Of course, when you've got these in-home displays that that people with smart meters have, and you think, well, why is that not connected up to a to a mobile? Why is it not just an app? It makes you know all, all that should do is be creating data that you can tap into. I mean I've got plug sockets on the wall that I can see on an on an app that how much the how much current they're they're drawing if I plug in my, you know, washing machine or something, you know, it's and those things are, you know, probably about £5 each. And so there's, you know, the kind of small, smart devices, I think, you know, will will leapfrog smart metering. And all people really want is for, for things to be simple. I'm sure most people will happily pay their bill and, and would much rather it be accurate. But going to take meter readings and phoning them into a call centre, you know, is just these days, it's just way too much friction for people. People have become lazy because they're used to things being so, so simple and, you know, just a few clicks and you're done.
0: Yeah, and I think you can already see that with the various generations of, of, of uh, smart meters. again In industry, I industry, you'd refer to it as SMETS 1, SMETS 2, which SMETS 1 was the original, which was very much still working in batch processes nightly, and SMETS 2 is the more real-time example. But I, th- I think it's a, you mentioned there, Phil, about the the in-house um display for how much energy you're using rather than just an app on a phone to, be able to see it whenever you want and i think it's a great example of where technology's overtaking the industry and it's and is is you know and that's only just started overtaking it's going to go even further I and mean, we're starting to see more and more electrical vehicles on the road um which the upswing i'm sure will be massive we can talk about that a bit later in the podcast but mm. Yeah, I just think that the industry is moving so slowly now, but technology is moving so quickly that that gap is widening all the time. So it's kind of almost ripe for a, a kind of some sort of disruption, major disruption within the next um, you know, few years.
1: Mm. Absolutely. So I guess looking forward, what are we expecting to happen in the next few years? I and mean, one of the big things that you know, has obviously already happened, but will have, be happening to a much larger extent is electric vehicles or EVs as we call them. Yeah, you know, there are there are dates in the diary for the government which you know they may may stick to. I think it says it's something like twenty thirty, something like that, where all it, perhaps it's, it's beyond there, but it's it's in, within the next um, you know ten or fifteen years, where all vehicles sold will be electric. I mean, for me, that seems not very far away, and the infrastructure seems you know woefully inadequate at the moment to, to support that. Um, I'm thinking if you live in a house with a driveway, it's probably okay because you can get a EV charger fitted to your the, the wall outside your house and park your car and plug it in. But you know, not everyone's got a you know has their own their own driveway, um, and so there's there needs to be a huge investment in infrastructure for, for public charging of um, electric vehicles. If I go to my local supermarkets, there's a couple of EV chargers. Uh, parking spaces in each one out of you know, probably 250 car parking spaces it's a sort of pathetic attempt a bit like um, looking at you know cycle lanes in the UK they're just a sort of excuse for what's actually you know what should be quite a um, heavily invested um, um, piece of infrastructure
0: and it's, a, it's almost going to it's going to come out of nowhere it's going to be like a tidal wave of, of new EV usage that's coming in so at the moment it's something like one percent of new car sales are electrical vehicle um, but I, that's, going to, that's just going to ramp up hugely. I, th- I think you mentioned there was a 2030, Phil when they're talking about most mainstream manufacturers are going to have, you know, it's certainly not only EV in the ranges, but predominantly electrical vehicle at that point. Yeah, it's going, to, it's going to have a massive effect on the energy market.
1: Yeah, when you look at how someone's going to want to, to charge those vehicles, they're also going to want to charge them at the lowest rate they can do. And uh, people will become more price conscious um, about electricity and um, because they'll be switching from buying petrol and diesel to be buying more electricity. And, you know, we saw some interesting developments in the market uh, two or three years ago, where Octopus brought in their domestic half hourly uh, tariff rates, and those were variable across every half hour. So a little bit different from the industrial and commercial model, where you have sort of fixed half hourly rates across every day, uh, or perhaps every day of, of the week. The octopus model was was variable, and it would depend upon, uh, I guess, their projections of of how much it, that they could supply uh, um, energy for at those points in the day. And I think they were fixed for something like forty eight hours in the future. So you can think that if you had, um, let's say, that you know cheap periods overnight, where there was plenty of excess energy, you could charge up your electric vehicle for you know very little, and and, and obviously, then consume that um, during the daytime uh, by driving the car around, and then plug it in and, and hopefully then you know charge it at, at a cheap rate. It, you know, in, in the fully sort of smart version of that, obviously your device would know how much the uh, supply was going to cost at any particular half hourly point, and make a plan of well, when's the best time for me to switch on, I'll switch off, or switch to um you know a sort of intermediate trickle charge. And I'm sure that that's the way it will go. Ultimately, just make the best use of of available energy, uh, and even at some points, the energy could be you know, could be paid for um, for taking that energy off the grid as well. You know, at, and it's extreme.
0: Yeah, certainly, it's, it's, it's going to hold new world to the energy market at that point, isn't it? Everyone's going to have a a, a battery on their driveway that has has massive capacity to store energy and, and distribute it back. And I guess we're already seeing really good usage of managing energy at different times of the day you've got, you've got companies like um flex electricity based out in edinburgh um which are doing like on-demand response so you know if, if the grid sees that the, the too much energy is being produced then they've got um, mechanisms to basically so if there's too much energy being produced that's when they can get into their kind of mechanisms and basically switch on various other third parties to use more energy during that time and charge the battery so then it can be discharged you know when needed so it's, it's all kind of Super interesting, and I think it's something that the energy market's you know, not ready for. You know, we don't even have the smart meters fully completed rollout. If if we get to a point where a lot of people have EVs, you're going. To, the government may well at that point think about, well, do we charge a different energy tariff for charging a a, a vehicle um, rather than charging your kind of domestic household?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, clearly what someone would would want to be able to do. I think it seems it seems kind of reasonable. It seems like the sort of thing the government would want to also be able to differentiate, because there's obviously going to be a, a huge loss to inland revenue with the lack of the, the you know losing of the fossil fuels of petrol and diesel. You know, those have always been an easy way for the government to add you know money to the public purse just by adding in more tax. It's just a standard thing in the in the budget, isn't it? Uh, and obviously that's going to go away. And, you know, road, okay, road tax now has, has, has become also, uh, you know, beneficial if you have an electric vehicle because you don't get taxed on them. And so, you know, it's only the kind of gas-guzzling cars that, that get taxed heavily. And so obviously there's going to be a big drop in revenue. So the government will need to be able to distinguish, I think, between domestic electricity use and uh electricity used by electric vehicles either that or they may go for a model where it's purely charged by you know by the mile and everyone's going to be tracked in an entirely sort of big brother approach where you know, you're sort of followed around the country and and every mile you, you pay some sort of um, nominal amount of tax
0: yeah yeah i, mean, I, I certainly see if, if we're looking at you know say the five-year mark and most properties in the UK that can have a smart meter have it, there's more EVs at that point as well. I think there's gonna be huge change in the energy market for, for for suppliers. I think you'll you'll basically start to see the end of the traditional customer service type energy supplier company. I think it's just not going to be scalable or workable longer term. And that's where, you know, embracing tech and getting that right, getting automation in place up front, getting customers self-serving where they can. Uh, By self server I mean you know, produce bills and everything that someone would call a call center for. Make that not happen and, and do it, you know, do it on a self serve portal of some some kind and get your your people working on kind of high-value uh, pieces of work. I think it's I think I think you're only looking at maybe five years out before that. I, I can't see a customer service based energy supplier would would grow past that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'm, and I don't even know why people phone. Well, I do know why people phone mm. energy suppliers, but I've never actually had to do it myself. It's uh, something I try and avoid. And I'm sure everyone notices as well. It seems like something which would just be an, an annoyance for most people, given that you know people are used to transacting everything on, on a you know on a, on a phone or a tablet, uh, and things being just super easy in that respect. I think that's certainly going to be a thing of the past. I think um, sort of future-wise, the yeah the conversation around around domestic batteries, where domestic batteries have become absolutely normal and charge at um, cheap periods and are and, and discharged at expensive periods uh, where it would be expensive to to pull energy from the grid, you know, will certainly become normal. And also that same approach could be used with an EV battery as well. So you could use your EV battery uh, purely as storage from the grid rather than there to, to run your vehicle. So if it's plugged into your house, you could charge your car and then, you know, discharge your car to power the energy in your house for heating or anything else. I think also there's another you know, possibly interesting thing where say if I had a um, a battery or, or a vehicle which was being charged, I could perhaps sell that, not necessarily back to the grid in, in terms of a, like a, a replacement sort of feed-in tariff, but I could possibly sell it in a peer-to-peer way. So I was thinking of things like um, the uh, FinTech company, um, TransferWise, who have effectively disrupted the currency exchange market, where they don't actually exchange currency A for currency B. So if you're changing, you know, pounds to euros, they don't actually exchange that through a um, currency exchange program. They simply, it's effectively, well, I pay your bill, you pay my bill. So someone will pay my euros, and then, you know, I will pay their pounds. And and so with enough people, uh, you can do a, a peer-to-peer approach without actually going through the official broker. In this case, you know, not not going sort of through the grid. So there could be organisations like that who carry out that sort of real-time, perhaps peer-to-peer approach, where you're you're buying energy from people who have stored it in their domestic batteries or even you know commercial batteries, um, and they're not suppliers. So you're kind of sub- supplementing your actual use from a supplier with, you know, energy that's coming from other sources. I think that's, you know, possibly quite a long way into the future, but I, th- I think that's something that's just certainly likely and will ultimately happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm even thinking that could be becoming more into the mainstream, maybe maybe in like something like five to ten years' time, I think. I think it's got huge potential, even if you're looking at it from a, like, take the kind of share trading kind of world where you've got, um, like, a trading one uh, – 212 or, or eToro who basically have lots of users of their platform which are making trades but in reality eToro is just the broker that makes the trades on their behalf um, so like say you had multiple energy suppliers using the same energy software um, for billing purposes and generation purposes tracking that then you could just sell energy usage between the parties that are that are feeding into that platform without going near the you know the industry and and that, that would maybe make it you know much faster to innovate and adapt rather than having to rely on the kind of main government driven um agencies.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think inevitably there's 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 government intervention required in certain areas of the things we've been talking about. And you can see that as you mentioned, you know, it's been ten years now since the start of the um, smart meter rollout, which you know there's no way that the world is the same as it was 10 years ago and so that that program is probably you know relatively unchanged since then it's still the same plan it's almost like a a waterfall software project you know it's not going to be the same requirement as it was 10 years ago so it's you know those things happen so slowly whereas you know entrepreneurship can move much more quickly as we know and can solve problems that large organizations and government bodies can't solve because they're, they're too big and they they move too slowly so i think wherever there is an opportunity for um you know private business to come along and disrupt i think that the energy sector is just hugely ripe for it and there's going to be some you know really exciting things happening over the next five to ten years and you know, hopefully that the, the government isn't going to be the blocker on, on all of those things as it has been on some already
0: yeah, certainly. There's there's a few factors in play that just makes it inevitable. Really, you know, one of them is the progress of tech, making everything more automated, more you know, at your fingertips. But I think the other one is the costs as well falling in other areas. You know, the the, the costs of solar has uh, has has decreased eighty per eighty two percent over the last decade, and EVs are becoming you know cheaper by the day, sort of thing. So you're only kind of extrapolating out to you know, five to ten years at when you know, when that's really mainstream, that could mean that you've got You've got cheap solar in your house that charges your battery on your property and you're only buying energy off the grid when you really have to, um, which is going to change things you know, quite massively.
1: That sounds great. Where do I sign up for that?
0: I need to get a smart meter first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, uh, any other thoughts, Phil, on the, on the energy market?
1: I think we've covered about everything, really. I think um, there's a long way to go. Um, there's some really exciting things which will be happening in the future for sure, and I think there's be it'd be really interesting to get some other people, some other guests on the podcast with specific air, interest in some of these areas, and get them to talk about some of their ideas. It'd be really good to see who we can get on and uh, what kind of um, things we can explore and discover.
0: Yeah, definitely. Super excited to kind of share ideas with other people and hear their points of view. Certainly, any kind of experts in in specific areas that we talked about today were useful and i'm sure there's a lot we didn't cover phil lots of innovation going on that we're maybe not as involved with um so yeah i really enjoyed the conversation and um yeah look forward to hearing from everyone you've been listening to the tech entrepreneur brought to you by clear sky the digital transformation agency for scale-ups and established business who believe you don't need to be held back by technology. Whether you need software to help your customers self-serve, a mobile app to manage customer engagement, or automation to make sure your staff are spending time on what matters most, ClearSky provides dedicated software development teams in the UK ready to take on your next project. Find out more at clearskylogic.com.